Good evening, Patriots. And it is Friday, August 12th in the year 2022. Obviously, the East Coast, you've already slid into Saturday, which we're all going to enjoy when we get there. Before we begin, make sure you're taking good care of your wealth, especially in these unstable times, and that's why we have the folks at Birch Gold. Inflation is real. The CPI is at another 40-year high, hitting 9.2%, and real inflation on daily goods, bread, milk, meat, gas for your car, even rents, are at over 30%. The recession is real. If all your money is in the market or tied up in U.S. dollars, you're messing with fire. It's critical for you to take a hard look at diversifying your savings into gold and silver. That's where the professionals at Birch Gold come in. Text BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898 and get a free information kit on how to diversify and protect your savings with precious metals. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of satisfied customers, gold is the right investment to make now. Text BARDS to 989898 and get real help from Birch Gold today. Again, text BARDS to 989898 to claim your free no-obligation information kit on how to protect your hard-earned savings with gold. And that's texting BARDS to 989898 to get your free information packet from Birch Gold. So, Patriots, we're going to have kind of a just a casual show tonight, and I'm, I want to start with just some perspectives on some things. There's a piece that's eight minutes long I want to play for you. It's titled The World Going Crazy, and it's put out by Suspicious Observers. This is a really interesting perspective of the unseen factors that we're dealing with right now that most people don't even know are happening. So take a listen to this. Good evening, folks. First, if you have not noticed that the world seems to be going crazy, please ask someone close to you for help lifting up the rock under which you've been living. Politically, culturally, economically, there's an idiocracy building in the world today, and there are no shortage of reasons to be stressed, to feel squeezed, to feel like the world you knew, and which at least made a bit of sense, is falling apart all around you. But in addition to the obvious, what you see on TV, there's something else affecting every living creature on this planet, and human complex thought and brain systems are extremely vulnerable to it. On top of everything else on our shoulders, our ability to carry that weight is under attack. The magnetic poles of this planet are shifting faster and faster, and with them, the overall magnetic field strength protecting the planet is weakening. We lost 10% of that field in 150 years, then five more from only 2000 to 2010, and the experts said we had gone from losing 5% of the field per century to 5% per decade. We are now more than 20% down, and the shift continues. This is important because we all live in an electromagnetic environment, not only our bodies themselves, but the earth, the atmosphere, the global electric circuit, the geomagnetic field. We've spent copious amounts of time on the channel reviewing the physiological impacts to our bodies, but the brain and cognition are not immune, with hundreds of studies confirming this concept as well. The weakening magnetic field of earth means that we are even more vulnerable to the electromagnetic effects of space weather solar flares, geomagnetic storms, and cosmic rays. In Weatherman's Guide to the Sun, Chapter 6, 
we compiled many of the relevant studies, which show that both the particle impacts and electromagnetic fields produced by space weather have intimate interaction with our brains. Cognitive defects, emotional instability, neuroinflammation, and some of the details are profound. Anxiety amplification has been repeatedly studied and confirmed, with in vivo animal studies now elucidating the mechanisms driving the many times noted statistical correlations. Specific impacts to the hippocampus, and especially the locus ceruleus, which affects our ability to deal with panic, anxiety, and fear, were well established even before those mechanisms were discovered in physical form. These vulnerabilities are increasing by the day as our magnetic field weakens, and they are added on top of a world seemingly spiraling out of control, which is also quite stressful. Some of the most basic signs of the sickness are easy to see, and while you may instantly jump to the Bible when reading some of these, recognize they are also found in other religious texts describing these times and the papers in the journals from psychologists, psychiatrists, and biologists. Major changes in thinking, especially related to those you love, is a prime example. It's really not all that unlike the rebellious and arrogant anger of a teenager whose brain is changing. If you feel those changes for your spouse, your children, if you find yourself trying to peg a rationale on minutia that never stopped you from loving them or being there for them before, you should take serious note. Temptation is where I'm hoping you can either find a correlation to your faith or look past that concept to realize this is legit science. Temptation affects everyone and it's natural, but you should also be aware of it and how you are usually affected, how you've been affected throughout your life. And if you are feeling the pull to a greater and greater degree than usual, this is where I hope to communicate from the heart and not offend you. No, the sexual revolution and ultra strong drug awakening people are having is not legit. The good feelings they bring are band-aids masking deeper issues, and they are not the answer to your finding yourself, happiness, or salvation. And finally, an overwhelming sense of fear and hopelessness is gripping the world in addition to the anger and frustration, and nobody can really be blamed for that. But this reinforces the first three, and yet, for someone who sees the bigger picture, this should be recognizably antithetical to the paradigm unfolding. If you find yourself doing things you know are wrong, or if you don't see it as right or wrong, doing things you wouldn't otherwise do, especially high-risk behavior. You need to resist the urge to say to yourself, well, maybe this is all natural, why not just go with it and see where the wind takes me? To think it is you letting go of your previous conceptions and restrictions is utterly incorrect and dangerous. For those who aren't into the religious side of things, do you believe in body energy, chakras, magnetic personalities, affirmations, the effects of positive or negative attitude, the energy and power of crystals or certain rocks or locations on the earth. Know this, if any of those things have any merit, so does the soul. And that means this place has rules. You don't get to pick and choose where it fits your mood or reflects upon your behavior. That is called being a child, being a hypocrite. It's one of the primary reasons we're seeing so many problems today. But alas, knowledge is power, and there will be some of you watching this who will be able to see perspective and overcome these hardships without crumbling. You know, the placebo effect is real, and it can help. It does go both ways, so know that your thoughts, words, attitude, and outlook have powerful potential to influence yourself 
and the people around you. There are some who will breeze through this with minimal effect, whether by strength of body or mind or soul. But there are also very, very clear indicators of increased vulnerability, and any psychologist worth the paper on which their degree is printed will tell you that combining these vulnerabilities is the worst idea. Unhealed trauma from parents, work, childhood interactions like bullying, past relationships, or physical harm. It's critical. The best summarization of this statement is that the mind can temporarily forget, but the body keeps the score forever. Drugs and alcohol, including many prescribed drugs, will only enhance this. I am aware that my audience includes big fans of cannabis and even hallucinogens, but even those are not bulletproof, and the intentional nature of their use is where they can be helpful. But that is quite elusive amidst the traumatized, the lost, the suffering, and they can and often do exacerbate traumatic issues, again, as a band-aid, if nothing else. Negative influences are difficult because they tell you what you want to hear. The yes man, the comforting voice telling you to embrace these new feelings, everything is okay, you're not going crazy, that your long-term steadfast patterns are toxic, and yes, it's a great trick, but it is also unequivocally true that they usually just reinforce poor decisions, poor thinking, and poor attitude. How about that last one? Poor diet and poor mental attitude. There are ties into the substance abuse issues listed above, but it's also a separate beast. Your body has protection built in that can help fight the negative, hold the line, stay the course, but they require a healthy body and mind. And without them, or in combination with these other risk factors, you are left utterly vulnerable. At the end of the day, when you realize that the world is in fact a bit rage-inducing, confusing, and often senseless. When you realize that the earth and sun are not exactly being friendly to the situation, and then when you look at what you are doing and thinking, I hope you realize how at risk we are. And all of a sudden, a piece of the puzzle of why the world is going the way it's going manifests before your eyes. Sorry to say, don't expect this to change. It's only getting worse. Be strong, have eyes open, and no fear. It's a really interesting place because he doesn't come from a place of scripture, and yet he, he is pretty consistent with a lot of scripture in there. Ephesians six ten to 18, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, put on your full armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness against the spiritual forces of this wickedness in the heavenly places. We can see that something pretty radical is happening around the world. There's, that's not even a question. And I think if we're honest, it's hard to explain how we went from zero to insane in literally a matter of two years, and actually shorter than that, about a year. What is established and can be established is that there is the lack of faith has allowed people to be vulnerable to whatever influences are in the environment. We tend to focus very heavily on the issues of media, saturation, fear, and the control of a narrative that ultimately has caused a psychosis in a large part of the population. But I introduced this tonight as a piece. It's was sent to me by a number of people. 
and it's worth looking at and considering. People don't like the idea of the calling things space weather. They often are very uncomfortable with the idea of using energy and frequency, and yet prayer is energy and frequency. And it's very important to understand that if God made the world and we're part of it, we're part of all things connected. That can't be denied. So this is an interesting perspective to keep in mind as we go forward because what it does show is that we aren't going to get through this quickly, but what will endure for us is the strength in our faith. Now, if we're going to start looking at the anomalies that we're comfortable with, like, or the patterns, if we start looking at the buying habits, for example, of government, governments around the world, that should be an alarm bell because something is happening that they are panicked beyond imagination. They are buying at a level unprecedented in history. They are preparing in their purchase levels for an extinction-level event, meaning they are preparing and hoarding things, expecting something to come that will literally wipe out a large percentage of humanity. We've always, we have kind of brushed over that and even kind of categorized that in terms of the vax. And I think that in a certain way was probably one attempt to weaken humanity so that they're better prepared because governments are doing what governments do. They're looking out for themselves. They're not looking out for us. Now I can establish that in a direct phone call I had a year ago, which almost a year ago this month, in fact, when I spoke with somebody high up in the government and their question was, and actually the comment was, you're doing a great job helping people keep the faith. We're concerned about the continuity of government once the effects of this vax now hit and people start to die off. And what was revealed is in this call is that they had approved the vax and gotten behind the vax and then discovered that what they had bought into was actually killing people. And then they were very much concerned about the backlash to them. The issue that we're at hand right now for a global level is unsettling. It is challenging all of us, and it's going to require that we prepare ourselves mentally for the challenges ahead. I want to play some pieces here tonight that I think put a lot of things in perspective in a very good way. And I'm going to begin by a piece that's just a prayer and a prayer about things for somebody, and then we're going to work backwards from there. Take a second and pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just pray for the person that is just tired, Father God, and this is frustrated. They're trying everything they can to fix their situation, Father God. Maybe we're leaning a little bit too much on our own understanding and our own strength, Father God. That I pray for breakthrough in their situation, and I pray for a breakthrough for the way that it should go in your will, Father God, in your timing. But give us peace during this time, Father God. Give us the strength. Give us the wisdom. I pray over anxiety and depression, Father God. I pray over their spirits. I pray over the brokenhearted, Lord. Being a brokenhearted person is so tough, but may we realize that we won't always be there. They won't always be there. And that in the reverse, Father, that you can help us to connect the dots in all our frustrating, tough trials that we may be going through, Father God. But I pray for the people that are going through trials right now, that you will be with them. And if that was for you, put your name down there. I want to pray for you. And it is in the mighty name of Jesus we say amen. And amen. So here's the thing, and we do this a lot, and there's nothing wrong, but I'm just saying that we tend to, when we get into problems, we pray for God to be there to help through the problems. But I think this is one of the challenges that we're going to have to grow into is many times what's put before us is we need God to be with us, but we need to go through the challenges. Don't always pray for your problems to go away. 
Start praying for the Lord to show himself in the midst of your problems. Don't always pray for your challenges to disappear, but start praying for the Lord to empower you to overcome that challenge. I encourage you to begin to see your problems as opportunities. Begin to see the fight before you as an opportunity for you to see God move and act in a mighty way. And I think that's a big piece of our walk right now, and I think it's going to get greater. The idea of being a remnant, if you will, or walking truly with the heart of God, the voice of God, the face of God, the, the seeking that absolute connection with God does not in any way say that that walk is going to be easy. In fact, I'd argue quite the opposite, that the more we seek, the harder the walk gets. I want to paint a picture for a moment. I just want you to think about it. This is not intended to put anxiety or, or, or create a dark image, but I want you to imagine an extinction-level event that apparently these gov- our governments are preparing for. And I want you to imagine that they're buckled up inside their caves, inside their, their bunkers. And I want you to imagine that whatever happens on this earth has a devastating blow to a large percentage of humanity. But I want you to imagine that those that are remaining are those that have been true in the walk of God. And now what's left are us needing to use our resources, our faith, our skills, our talents to literally not only survive but help others survive. It sounds very dystopian. It sounds very science fiction horror film. It's not. You see, that's the incredible thing is that it almost is an image that we often don't like to look at is what did Noah experience when he stepped out after the storms. It was a restart and it wasn't easy. There's no way anybody could tell me that was going to be easy. And this may be an event in a time we know that we're going to be challenged either way with an incredible new reality as we are watching so many be damaged or destroyed by this injection. If we're wondering why jobs aren't being filled as payrolls are increasing at phenomenal levels, I don't know if you know this, but even in my small town, and I'm in a town of 22,000 people, a person can go work for Carl's Burger as a regional or just as a, as a, as a supervisor manager, not regional even, and they're going to make eighty to $100,000 a year. This is how desperate we are for labor, and they can't fill the positions. Why is that? Is that because people don't want to work? That's the excuse we keep hearing. And then we hear this thing of like, well, 3.5 million people have left the workforce and they're not returning. Why aren't they returning? Could it be that maybe that 4,000 people a week that are dying without, without being identified as to how the mysterious death of people just suddenly dropping dead that's accounted for over 340,000 people this year? That is now pushing towards three over 3 million people damaged plus by the vax that we know of and these other mystery deaths, which we know are likely caused by the vax, you think that might have an impact on labor? And it's not going to get easier. What happens when the techs in our, in our cities who were running the water treatment plants are no longer able to? Where's the, where's the B team and that depth of people that are going to fill their spot? Or what about the people at the power plant? In Oregon, it's required by law that we have an attendant fill our tank. It was something done years ago to preserve jobs in Oregon when jobs were falling apart because the logging industry was collapsing. So you have to have your tank filled as a full service at a regular price of gas. 
but they're already having problems and companies are taking the risk to violate state law because they can't get enough help to fill people's tanks. So you're literally seeing companies say, fill your own. And as crazy as that may sound, depending on where you live for Oregon, that's a colossal shift. Those jobs have never been difficult to fill. High school kids always took them, other people. And yet these are the same people that I've talked to, and I take a point of talking to them that have told me very clearly that they are now unable to buy three gallons of milk. They can only afford one because this becomes a primary job for them in their household. And if gas gets to a certain point, they're not going to work anyway because they don't want to be around the anger of the people. All of these things are having cascading effects. And so there's going to increase pressures on each one of us, and we're going to have to start coming to grips with issues, greater issues of who we are and why we're here. Because the mission has always been in our lives about looking at ourselves as ourselves. We pray very much to ourselves. We will pray in our groups and pray for each other. Sometimes we do a nice thing by pray for a president or pray for the country. But the substantive issue of our meaning of being here, our real purpose, somehow seems to evade us to a large degree. No human being on earth is a mistake. Not one of us is a mistake. We were sent here specifically to do something valuable. And most of us don't know our own purpose on earth. The average human being does not know why they're on planet earth. They wake up every morning, go into a job they hate, working with people they don't like, getting paid less than they're worth, and dying too young from frustration. Because they don't know why they exist. And I discovered that the greatest tragedy in life is not death. There's something worse than death. The greatest tragedy in life is life without a purpose. Nothing is worse than being alive and not knowing why. This is a tragedy. To live for 80 years and still didn't know why you were here. That's a tragedy. Without a purpose, life has no meaning. It has no sense of destiny, no sense of precision. Why am I here? And that is the question. And yet we know that question when we're walking with Jesus and we're walking with God, but not in the pew, but in life. The temple of the church has kept people very comfortable and the pews have kept people very safe. But our world is changing. It's changing radically. We're seeing every safety valve that we had get destroyed. Violence in the cities, random violence around the road, people suddenly dying from a shot that we, that so many believed was going to save them. On the horizon, we're looking at unheard of disruptions. We're hearing of food shortages, and we're able to see that there's massive things happening. Food processing plants spontaneously combusting, culling of chickens, culling of, of other bird animals and rabbits and other poultry, culling of pigs and cows. We're seeing this. We're seeing the, an, an attack on the food system at some level that is unprecedented. The entire southern continent of Africa was bright red on the radar 
not because of heat, but because of fires. In France, the fires are so extreme that they're having to mobilize firemen from all parts of the country, and, er- and many parts of the country don't even have water in the streams. They're having to have these rural communities are having to have water shipped in. How do you fight a fire then? And Europe, if you look at the map from satellite of fires, looks like it has smallpox. It's all over the place. We're dealing with droughts. We're dealing with unbelievable flooding in the Northeast right now. This is the crazy weather. And of course, they're going to blame this all on global warming. But I go back to the first video. Who tracks the polar shift, the pole shift? I've been watching this for about 10 years. And when I stumbled on it, it was an eye-opener. I couldn't believe that the U.S. Navy was actually recalibrating their compass, their digital, as their their, uh, true north on their compasses and their digital compasses every year because they knew that this was tracking offline. Patriots, we're into something very significant here, and it is what we would call a God-level event. And it's not just one thing, it's many things. And humanity is being shaken, and we shouldn't be surprised. We shouldn't be surprised at all when we see a society that has gone so far out of sync with the natural world, so far out of sync with everything that God created. And when we start hearing about these other things and we start going, oh my goodness, you know, the science, what is going to happen? Is it, it, it there's, there's a polar shift and the world's going to shake? Yes, it is. God is going to shake the earth. And if we have the science for eyes to see some of it, I guarantee we can't see all of it. But nonetheless, the question really is, how do we prepare? And I think this is where things are so important that we have to get to, to appreciate that we have to start coming to grips with the fact that we have a true mission here. It's a deep mission. And it's a mission that we have to start embracing, and that is the kingdom. And coming to grips with the fact that God has us here for a very intended reason. But that didn't mean it was going to be easy. The question deep down in the hearts of every human being living is why am I here? What is my purpose? How can I say I'm successful if I don't know why I'm here? I can say I'm busy, but I can't say I'm successful because I'm only successful when I'm doing the thing I was created to do. Why am I here? The problem is most of the time we ask one another the question and you're, it's like a blind man asking another blind man, which way should I go? Because we can't answer your question because we're trying to answer our own question. And the answer that is true for me might not be true for you because my purpose might not be your purpose. So in order to get the answer, we have to go back to the manufacturer because he is the only one who knows me because I don't even know me. The reason we go back to God is because he is the master and he put everything in the box we needed to be successful at what we were created to do. And there's the answer right there, because we were always designed to be doing something that God intended. But the problem with this world is we got shaped by them, not by God. We were told that we needed to have certain 
shapings and formations. We had to go to university to learn certain things and certain ways to think. And instead of us walking in that path where God has opened up our potential to unlimitedness, we've managed as a culture, as a society, to choke us ourselves down as a humanity to where we're verticalized and we're very narrow and we're very dependent on the system that shaped us. And so that gets to the point when we hit challenges now in this world, so much of what we face, we face with anxiety because we're not sure how we're going to get through it. We no longer have the depth of skills that just have come through life to deal with it. We deal with specific elements in our culture, if we're going to talk about those, and they typically are very frequently those that have stepped away from faith completely, what we would call a progressive class in particular, that have been very comfortable living in a world where everything that they need is provided by what they buy. Their work is a task, and they've created passions where they didn't think they had passions. They've invented work out of nothing to create something that they feel that has a purpose, Everything about what they do at one point or another is to save the world from an impending doom of the environment and to somehow do better by making a digital app to change the world. One of the most ironic things I've ever seen was a big publicity by Apple. This was, goes back a few years on Earth Day. Massive pictures of, of beautiful forests and beautiful streams and beautiful skylines without its cities, without people, talking about let's save the planet, let's save the planet. And you would click on those and you would go to a page of 20, 30, 40 apps. <laughs> I guess that's going to save the planet. And every behind every app is somebody who's developed that app with an idea that maybe we can help change it by, by counting how many steps I go or how much how many hours I sleep in REM or how whatever, my, uh, tracking my diet and my consumption. And, and ultimately that leads to another obsession of how do I control my carbon footprint and all of these things that are these internal obsessions of nothingness. Because God didn't need to worry about those when he created us. He created us in perfection with a key word and concept that we were to steward what was provided here. But we've, we've fallen out of pace. And in the crisis that's coming at us, however form it takes, it's going to challenge us at many, many levels. And there's going to be many people that are going to seek those prayers, not to embrace the challenges, but rather to have God take them away. But I don't think that's what God intends. I asked for strength. And God gave me difficulties to make me strong. I asked for wisdom, and God gave me problems to solve. I asked for courage, and God gave me dangers to overcome. I asked for love, and God gave me troubled people to help. My prayers were answered. And right there. And how many times do we look at life that way? It's suddenly when we pray to God and we say, God, I need strength, and then suddenly we're faced with an unbelievable obstacle. Perhaps it's a death. Maybe it's a challenge of your finances. Maybe it's a new job. Maybe it's something emotional or personal, whatever that is. How many times do we turn to that and say, thank you, God, for that opportunity that sits before us? But instead, we too often turn to God and say, well, yeah, but God, I, I need you to help me through this. I need you to get me through this. The getting through it is God's gift. 
And if we hold this perspective and we start to really anchor into all of the things that were, sh- were shown in, in Scripture, the stories, the richness of the experiences, the Bible reads like a hologram. The more that you read it, it's not just linear, it's, con- it's depth, it's three-dimensional. And it comes to life and it breathes in so many different ways and chapters link to each other in subtle words and texts. And it's like it leaps from the page to tell us even a deeper story than we know. Scripture provides that way to navigate through these difficult times and understand that what God provides us before us is truly remarkable. That the greatest challenges become our greatest strengths. And that He's not asking us to be skeptical or closed-minded, to be open-minded, to listen and to hear within what other people are saying, either so we can engage them where they are or perhaps there's nuggets of things he wants us to hear. And God doesn't just speak in words. He speaks in a collage and a masterpiece that's all around us every day. There's so much richness in this world and so many ways that God can communicate to us. And it's going to be necessary, in my opinion, as we move forward for us to start really digging in deeper into that walk. We're conveniently tied to an internet, to a digital appliance. We communicate with each other that way. We become very dependent upon it in a good way. It's the fellowships of many things that we create. But we also have to have the strength and knowledge that through God we can also create the same things. And as we step back a bit and put our deeper connection there and our trust there. We're more prepared for what is to come. I don't know what what is to come looks like. I just know that all the signals are there. All the things that God keeps putting on my heart to do indicate something very, very significant is coming. Big. I don't know how big. Some people say, well, you've just, you're just over over creating an incident just because the news is so negative. Okay. Others say that it's going to be the end of the world, that there's going to be nothing left. Okay. Others say it's revelation that we're in that book and Christ is coming. Christ is coming. I just don't know when, but is that where we are? We don't know. But what we do know is that God has us here in this time for this time. And there is a reason that we're here. And that's the reasons that we have to seek. And when we listen to him and we listen to where he wants us to go, sometimes those steps are pretty crazy. You know, I've talked to my story many times, but it's always one that I I will bring back because it's interesting to me when I look at my life as I was in the eyes of how I was walking it, how I would run into walls and be just devastated and tell I would then start another path and things would seem to flow and then I would bump into another wall. And then I would follow another path that would lead, that would open up another door and I would lead to that until I ran into another wall. Until finally, as I've told the story many times, in, 20, in August of 2017, I hit the ultimate wall when I was literally thrown in jail for 20 days and everything about my reputation, everything that I had been able to do through the the skills and reputation and certifications that I had gained was literally marred and destroyed so I could not use it in any way. That was God. It wasn't I was being punished, which is our typical response. It was I was being refined. And the glory to all of that is God put me right where I needed to be, 
But I had to make the choice to follow that and pursue it. But I knew in my heart that was the choice I would make. I, never, I did not have to choose God's way. I could have walked away from it and tried to fight my way out. And I knew somebody, I know of somebody actually that had the exact situation I did and they tried to fight their way out. They took on the law. They fought with a lawyer. They spent tens and tens of thousands of dollars and it only got worse. In this case, it's quite amazing because everywhere God works and tries us, if we listen to where he wants us to go, it's not easy. It's a difficult climb. In fact, I will tell you, I didn't know how to get out. I didn't know how I would possibly get past this. But I knew one thing. I knew that if I could just keep my faith and have an honest conversation with God and bring Jesus into my day, that somehow things that I could not see, there would be doors open. And I didn't know how long. And it took two and a half years. But every step of the way, it got better. Not every day, but every step of the way. And there were some hardships along the way that I had to face as well. And with that, it prepares us. It gets us to another place. He brings us to where we need to be. And the clarity of where our walk is and what our purpose is becomes more and more before us. The scales fall. We see more clearly. See, we're all going to face that again. Whether you've been through it or not, everyone's going to face that where we're going as a world. And if you are honest in your heart, if you look at where we are, there's no other way it can be than that. So is it going to be the shift of the poles? I don't know. I can tell you it's happening. Is it going to be an EMP from space that wipes everything out? I don't know. But I know they've thought about it. Is it going to be an earthquake and fires? Well, those are already happening. Is it going to be the mass death by, by a virus or a vaccine that they put in the a virus they put in the vaccine? That's happening too. Is it going to be starvation and famine? That's happening and getting worse. All of these things that we face are there or are soon to happen. It's not one thing, it's many. And if we look at the culmination of events and we look at this, I had people ask me recently, well, how do we get out of this? And I say a God-level event. Well, do you really think that God's going to do this? I don't know what God's going to do, but I know this. My faith is in God to lead me and those that will listen where we need to be for the purpose that he put us here on earth. Everything else is irrelevant. It doesn't mean that I will see or live through that end. I may not see, nor may you see, the change and hope of the glory days that so many are seeking. This may be the phase that we're in to, to shepherd those that are around us and to ourselves find that deeper relationship with him because that's what this walk is. But what I know in me is I know why God has me here. And I know that why I'm here is even is yet to be fully revealed. Every step, there's things that continue to reveal themselves to me. And with every step, I find new challenges and I find new shortcomings that I have to strive to overcome. And so the walk becomes one of the most profound walks one could ever have. Because it's a walk of growth. And it's not alone, but it's with Father. And it's with Jesus. And the two together as we walk... There's amazing 
awakening and there's amazing perspectives that, that develop and deeper we go into the true sense of who we are. I talk many times, as you know, on this show about two scriptures that keep coming before me, Luke ten nineteen and John fourteen twelve. Luke ten nineteen. Behold, I have given you authority to walk on snakes and scorpions and authority over all the power of the enemy and nothing will injure you. As I work through that scripture every time, every time something new shines through. Because that is a profound scripture that Christ gave us in his own words. That we would have authority over all the power of the enemy. And yet here we are enslaved and sub- being subdued by an enemy because it's our will to be that way. So do the thoughts of, do our thoughts have impact? You bet. Do our perspectives of where we are and where we believe we are rather than what our true birthright is affect us? Absolutely. And this again goes to back to purpose. Why are we here? Then there's John 14, 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, the one who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I am going to the Father. Greater works than he? That's Christ. How is that possible? Because in our world, what we're taught is it's not possible. And yet there it is. He put it before us. So are we to believe that or are we to say he was speaking in parable or he was speaking in metaphor? But he wasn't speaking in both of those. And this was pre-cross. So if it's not the truth, then what does that mean? That means that Jesus couldn't be God's son if it wasn't true. These are not out of wild interpretations of scripture. They're before us. They're gifts. And the question is, do we lean into them? Do we accept them and do we embrace them? Because again, it gets back to why are we here? I truly believe that one of the biggest reasons that we are here in this time is because we are that group that's walking and those that can hear and see it to be the disciples of the word. That doesn't mean that we get to have all the fineries and luxuries that many might pursue. In fact, that walk is probably more like the the parable of the young rich man, where we have to be willing to shed away everything to walk with little or nothing to accomplish the mission. A question we all have to ask, are we willing? And in a time of crisis, when the world is being shaken, those are good exercises to go through to always find where your mind goes. Does your mind go first to where's my Bible or does your mind go first to where's my, where's my bug out bag and my gun? It's an interesting question, but it's one worth pursuing. We're God's children. There's no question there. And we're in a, an amazing walk. And this is the walk of Jeremiah 6.16, not just for us, but for the entire, for the entire world. Stand by the, the, thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is, and walk in it, and find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. Those choices are being made. Those choices are being made decisively now with people saying, I'll have nothing to do with religion or God. That's not the way I believe. And it's sad, it's unfortunate. But again, the earth hasn't shaken yet. And when it does, as they always say, No man leaves a foxhole as an atheist. This world is changing in a big way. We're seeing things that we thought we'd never see in our lifetime. We never imagined that 
we would have such a division in our country. We never imagined that there'd be such an outright treason against the people to actually design something to kill them and maim them and then to lure them in and trick them into thinking it was safe. We never imagined that. We never imagined that we would have a president that would get elected and then elected again and then have it stolen and not just stolen, but thumbed the nose at us. And then everywhere we turned, every person that we thought we could trust turned out to be a sellout. We've never seen a president's house raided by an FBI. We've never seen the brazen attitudes of law enforcement to simply thumb their nose at the people and the Constitution and even to use things like, I was just doing my job. This is the world we're now in. It's a world that is not the same world that it was four years ago. It may have been incubating under the covers. It may have been there slow and a slow simmer, but when a certain point, when we hit a tipping point, this thing boiled over. And if we're honest with ourselves, it was all at once. It's a literally a God level event. And what does that look like on the bigger pictures of things? It means everything that we were connected to is now shifting. Every relationship has changed. And if we are going to be honest, everything that we've done in our lives, our relationship has changed. But what hasn't changed? What hasn't changed is God's relationship to us. The only question is, have we sought him more to seek a deeper relationship? Because that's the one door that has been opened so wide and should be so clear to everybody. And in the process of that, we begin to come to grips with a deeper question of why we are here. God is providing challenges, and with every prayer, we can expect to find challenges to help those prayers be answered. Father, give me strength, and the challenge will be there. Father, give me patience, and a challenge will be there. Father, give me courage, and the challenge will be there. Father, give me health. And the challenge will be there. And each one we grow stronger if we embrace that as it is. The minute that we descend to the place where we start to consume the world from our own optic, the, the me, the I, the I want, I need, please take this away from me. We've stepped off that narrow path. This is a very decisive time in our existence. It's a time of intention. It's a time of accountability and more so than we've ever seen. It's as if all of the safety locks have been pulled off. The exercise went live. It's no longer a training exercise. This is it. We've been going through training exercises all through our life, sheltered and protected, until all of a sudden one day everything changed. It became real. And that is when faith gets tested the most. I've said many times, I have no question that humanity, whatever remains, will get through this. And I have no question that there will be many that will hear the call and walk. But it's a reminder to each of us of the opportunity and equally the challenge that sits before us. The walk of Christ in sacrifice was never easy. And it stands out as an example of what we all have to be willing to do and carry out either in metaphor or physical form, to accomplish the mission here on earth. We are not of this world, but the taskings in this world are real and immense. Let us pray. Father, begin tonight just with a blessing and a thank you 
for all that you have done and continue to do for us in opening our eyes. And Father, in, in this sense of this whole discussion tonight, as we pray for things, we just embrace the challenges you set before us to accomplish those things. So as we pray for courage in this fight ahead, Father, provide those. we know that you provide those challenges for us to learn what courage is. And as we pray for peace, we know that we will provide the challenges for us to learn what peace is. When we, prov- when we pray for health and strength, we know that you'll provide the challenges that will teach us what health and strength is. And more importantly, Father, to teach us always how to find it through you. We are blessed, Father, because never do you step away, but always do you guide. And always do you provide in such a way that raises us up, but we have to learn to listen better. And we have to learn to trust And we have to learn to embrace the challenges as the gift, not the burden. So in these times, Father, we just ask for the continued opening of hearts, the opening of eyes to see, the opening of ears to hear, to be able to see what's before us, not through the eyes of the negative, the eyes of the depressed and eyes of the beaten down. This is the world in which we have been fostered in, not the world which you have intended for us to live And so now, Father, we pray most of all that we can look before us and see opportunity, not failure, that we can see the challenge as something glorious in your name, not the challenge of something that we have to sigh heavily and wonder or doubt whether we can overcome. For we know within us that we are able to do all things through you. So with that, Father, thank you. We thank you. We humble ourselves before you blessed by all that has been given and all that continues to be given to us in this path. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Those that will rise in this time will be those that see what's before them as opportunity, not failure, and not burden. This world works so hard at trying to create the negative of everything trying to always undermine us. You know, if there's one consistent thing when you look about the whole world, they have obsessed with poisoning food and poisoning water and poisoning air. They've obsessed with changing genetics and trying to change the healthy things that we need to something that they control. They've obsessed with creating viruses and creating wars and even worse, creating the poisons that we would accept in our arms and the trust that somehow it was going to help us. All of that is an indication of the many things that where we have let go of control of the world, of the things that we should have had dominion over. We talk about having dominion over all evil. It doesn't mean passive. It's an active action. When we start taking that, that control back through our gardens, through our health, through the natural ways in which God provided, we find our strength coming back, the real strength that God intended for us to have. But there is one thing that you can be assured of. The efforts that they're doing against us aren't stopping. They're increasing and accelerating. Their desire to control food from source to your table is an obsession. Their desire to pollute the air with more chemtrails and more things they spray has gone off the rails. Their desire to try to control what's in your water and add things to it to make you sick is off the charts. So what does that say? It says that everything they've done so far hasn't been successful 
at least not successful enough. And if it's accelerating, that means that something big is coming. That means that somewhere in all of this, they are deathly afraid that we will realize who we really are, that our true birthright is now close at hand, that we are starting to realize what is meant in Luke ten nineteen and what is meant in John fourteen twelve, And it has them scared to death because they know that it's not the sword of steel that they fear. They've got plenty of that. It's the true wielding of the sword of the Spirit. And with that, they know they lose. Game over. Keep your head up and your eyes forward, patriots. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. These are amazing times to be alive. Amazing times to pray. Amazing times to walk boldly and fearlessly with God. God is with us. He will never forsake us. And in the end, God will always win. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We're at war. Walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Mission forward. Patriots, I will see you on Sunday evening. For Fishers of Men, have a very blessed and wonderful Saturday. God bless. Thank you. Good night. And out for now. All this time we had to prove that we could stand here too. All the nights been pushing through, fight for all we had to lose. Reaching out for something to pull us up to the level ground. Oh, I can see it now. I can see. Somehow, 
Thank、you.